You are Locked On Bucks, your daily podcast on the Milwaukee Bucks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Welcome to Locked on Bucks. I'm Eric Name, Milwaukee Bucks reporter at ESPN Wisconsin. Joining me as always is my good friend and the founder of brewhoop.com, Frank Madden. Frank, can you remind me what rule number one is? Hmm. You know, I, I'd have to I'd have to check. Um, I, <laughs> I don't know if I recall it off the top of my head, but... <laughs> I think it had something to do with confidence and trust in the Milwaukee Bucks oh, and how you yeah. should never have it. I think something, yeah. something to that effect. Yeah, I, I believe that is it. Uh, rule number one in full effect tonight: the Bucks lose one twenty to one hundred six to the Boston Celtics. I'm trying to figure out if that score is is friendly to them. Um, I think it might be kind of friendly, um, but. Just a, a total no-show from the Bucks. Uh, they go down 33-22 after one quarter. Ten first-half turnovers. And just a, just a weird one tonight because the Bucks shot 59.7%. Again, 59.7%. They made just two less shots than the Boston Celtics. and Fewer shots. Sorry. Come on. We got to get this right, man. Uh, um, my wife my wife would not be happy if we said less rather than fewer in that scenario on a podcast. She's very particular about this. <laughs> Shout out to my wife, the Rockets fan. <laughs> the Bucks had two fewer shots. 46 <laughs> to the Celtics, 48. Um, they shoot 41% from three, just like the Celtics did. Uh <laughs> They shot shot 41% from the line, too. Great symmetry there. (laughs) 7 out of 17. It was as easy to make a 3 as a free throw. Sorry, I just stole your thunder, didn't I? You did, but that's okay. Um, One of those those nights. Um, And, yeah, this is, I guess, I'm trying to figure out exactly where to start here because so much uh, did not go well. Um, you know what? Let's start. Let's start uh, with let's the start positive. positive. Yes, absolutely. Let's start with the positive. Uh, Chris Middleton and Yas Dedekumbo, twenty-three for thirty-one on the night for a combined fifty-five points. Uh, Giannis goes for thirty, nine rebounds, eight assists, a steal, and a block on thirteen of seventeen shooting. Middleton goes for twenty-five points, four rebounds, and assist on ten of fourteen shooting. Four of six from three. Um, I'm not going to mention what either of them were from the free throw line because uh, it was terrible. Giannis was four for nine. Middleton, one for four. And, I mean, I don't think you can – I don't think you can spin some narrative out of there like, oh, well, you know, they're the best players, so they got to lead the way or, you know, they got to find a way to get their teammates to play better. Nope, I will not say that. They don't have to do anything like that because their teammates can just – 
play like total garbage, whether or not they are leading them or telling them to play better or advising them on how to play. Their teammates just didn't come to play tonight. And uh, so, way, are you saying that that professional basketball players being paid millions of dollars should be able to motivate themselves to be good and not require their their teammates to to force them to do so is that what you're saying maybe maybe just maybe that's what i'm saying but i mean thinking about those the games those two had i mean Giannis was all over the place uh he was able to get to wherever he wanted uh he was able to finish with confidence over just about anyone on the boston celtics didn't matter who was around uh middleton four for six from three uh another game where you wish that number was even higher but I mean, four of six, like you, you can handle yeah. it. He's hitting threes and he's able to get to the basket. He's been in total control this entire series. Um, both of them have been great thus far. No doubts about it. Yeah. And I think, you know, um, it's obviously great to see Giannis rising to the occasion. Um, and, you know, he, he's done that against the Celtics all year. And, um, you know, if the Celtics, you know, had some magic answer, I think at this point they would have trotted it out. And again, not that. I don't know. I don't want to say that Giannis is just going to score, you know, 30, 35 points every game, but uh, that's it what he's done likely. this year. Yeah. That's what he's done against the Celtics this year. He's averaging what got to be still around 33, 34 points a game and uh, against the Celtics and And Brad um, Stevens ain't an idiot. Like No, what? no. I mean, they just they just don't really have have answers for him, but um and and it's interesting cuz they have they have been able to kind of make the paint very compact whenever the Bucks try to like pass. I mean, Another night where the Bucks, I think, what, did they have how many? Did they have? They didn't have eight first quarter turnovers again, did they? They had like five, six, or six first quarter turnovers, ten first half turnovers. Yeah. So I mean, again, just and Brogdon was the big culprit turning the ball over this time. But just you know, anytime the Bucks tried to pass the ball in the paint, especially do like a rolling big man, the Celtics just snuffed it out. I mean, it was just like you know, like basketball fundamental stuff. Like just you can't complete a pass and. Um, turnovers are a huge story. I mean, the Bucks didn't turn it over nearly as much. 15 is, or 16 uh, is, or no, it's 15. Not nearly as bad as 20, right? But sure. Boston turns it over five times. I mean, yep. the Celtics had five turnovers in this whole game. And, you know, again, like for a Bucks team that has generally had an advantage in that department, two straight games now, they've had, you know, sort of the oxygen snuffed out in, in that phase of the game, just not being able to get, you know, cheap points off turnovers. And in fact, you know, losing, losing, you know, losing points in that department. So that's really tough. I mean, Terry Ozier has, uh, what, uh, has played 70 minutes, I think, and has zero turnovers in this series, which is, I mean, again, probably a lot of just randomness in there, but Rozier has been really good. I mean, he was bad in the first half of game one, but since then he's been terrific. I think he was one of six at half. And since then, um, he's been great. He was 12 out of 22 tonight, five out of 12 from three. And once again, Eric Bledsoe just not living up to expectations. I mean, getting just badly outplayed by Terry Rozier. So, um, so yeah, I mean, again, I'll, I'll go back to the positive side because I got, you know, it's easy to get derailed in the negativity when you watch <laughs> the Bucks team play like this. Um, but I think Giannis doing what Giannis does. And I think Chris, I mean, I'm just really happy for Chris because obviously he's a guy that, you know, we've all talked about, hey, is he going to play as well in the playoffs as he does in the regular season? Um, we've heard that refrain a lot. We saw it, you know, against Chicago a few years ago, and we saw it last year against Toronto where he just could not get his shot going. And tonight, a weird game. I mean, didn't take a shot in the first quarter. You know, yep. it's like everything was kind of running through Giannis, and Giannis was, per- you know, not missing any shots, and that was fine. 
but nobody else, you know, all the other shots were, were going to other guys and, um, you know, really obviously you look at it, Giannis and, and Chris were the only guys you really trusted tonight. And unfortunately, Chris didn't get a quick start, but scores then quick, 10 quick points in the second quarter. I think he made his first four shots and, uh, you know, again, continue to make shots throughout the game. And um, the Bucks, you know, had kind of a vague little run there in the fourth quarter where they got it to 10, could have made it nine on a Giannis free throw, but she missed. But, um, yeah, I think Chris and Giannis sort of, you know, answering the bell here so far in this series. And, I mean, that's the scary part. You know, yeah. you, can, you can't look at those guys and say, well, they're losing because they're not getting enough from them. Your two best players are, are your two best players by far. <laughs> and, again, it's just who else is going to step up? Bledsoe was better than last game tonight, but still not anywhere close to what you'd expect from him. Um, As and, a, I mean, Jabari Parker is like a shell of a human being right now. So it's like, it's tough. I think Brogdon did, did give you some, to give you a little bit of shot making at least. And um, Shabazz Muhammad gave him a little bit of a shot in the arm in the first half at one point. But um, other than that, I mean, you know, and, and I got to say Henson, six out of seven from the field as well. Um, you know, he was okay. He was plus five actually in this game. Um, but you know, again, just lots of guys contributing for Boston and very few guys other than Chris and Giannis doing it for, for the Bucks. Yeah. And it's, you mentioned like the idea of, Oh, would Chris show up in the playoffs? And I think going into this, I thought about, okay, well you look at the two wings for the Celtics, Tatum and Brown, like Middleton's probably going to have a tough matchup on the defensive end. And, you know, maybe this is more of a series for Eric Bledsoe where Eric Bledsoe would be the number two guy and he would be going up against Rogier and, and you'd think, okay, yeah, like Eric Bledsoe can handle himself against Rogier. He should be able to outplay him and that should be an advantage for the Bucks. And it's gone the exact opposite way. Like Middleton is uh, in game one outplayed whoever you want to say his co- counterpart was uh, for the Celtics. And then now in game two is played again, whoever you want to Tatum was real quiet tonight. So if you want to say Jalen Brown was his counterpart, like uh, I'm not going to say totally even, but pretty close to even like a 25 point night on 10 of 14 shooting versus a 30 point night on 12 of 22 shooting for Brown. Like I think that's comparable. Um, so he's showed up. He's been fine. And obviously, like you said, no concerns about Giannis at all. And yeah, the the rest of this team just hasn't shown up. And I, I think largely you put a lot of that on Eric Bledsoe. And I want to get to Bledsoe in a second. But uh, before we do that, I want to talk a little bit about uh, that last two-minute report and Giannis now changing his free-throw routine uh, to make it a little bit shorter, going four of nine tonight from the free-throw line, airballing one. And I got to say... Make him call it on you, Giannis. Make him call it on you. Like Carl Malone had what an, a thirty-second free throw routine, <laughs> like, and no one ever called it. So make someone call it on you. Like I will just say that. Like don't don't worry about changing it. Like who cares what the last two minute report says? I don't know if much of the NBA cares um, because you can't do anything about it once they've already missed those calls. So I would say make someone call you on it, and no one has. And uh, like it was it was just kind of disheartening to see it get into his head uh, and have him miss some free throws like that tonight. We'll, we'll see. I normally I I've long kind of overanalyzed Giannis's free throw routine just because. He's Giannis, and you know that's what we do as Bucks yeah. fans. But I wasn't paying his attention attention as much um, tonight. I, I have to say, I, I really thought in the last year or two he's sped it up a bit um, relative to a couple years ago. But um, yeah, I mean, he sometimes just takes a long, long, long time. And um, we did see him. I think we've seen him get called for it once. I think 
And I remember, I remember the Portland Trailblazers would count um, out from the yeah. bench, and I think Myers Leonard in particular. And um, you know, that's the kind of thing that would be interesting if it ever got to that point with Boston. But um, yeah, again, I mean, he was 13 out of 16 in uh, in the first game. Made 11 out of his first 12, and um, tonight uh, again, like you know, at one point he was two out of six. Um, goes two for three to to end the game at least. But um, but yeah, obviously that's one more thing you can't afford because I mean, it, look look at the look how this Bucks team loses the game, right? I mean, they shoot 60 percent from the field and get blown out because why? Well, they go seven out of 17 from the free throw line, yep. right? I mean, they they scored 114 points per 100 tonight, which normally should absolutely be enough to beat the Boston Celtics. Yeah, but, Kevin, Kevin McHale at the end of the game saying the Bucks got to find a way to get more offense. You're a little bit off base, buddy. I'll just say that. Yeah, I mean, they left points on the, you know, out there because of missed free throws. Yep. Um, and you know, again, like the turnovers actually weren't crazy tonight. Um, but you just compare it to Boston, and I mean, Celtics, in fairness, also didn't shoot well from the foul line, sixty-two percent, sixty-one percent, but still a lot better than the Bucks. And Boston just takes care of the ball so well. And they didn't actually end up having a crazy offensive rebound rate, but it, it felt like early in this game, if we kind of like start off to like the, the early phases of this game, um, I think the Bucks actually led 11-7 at one point. And I thought defensively they were really keeping their shape and sort of, you know, the, the, the initial actions and everything, I thought they were actually defending very honestly yep. and kind of continuing some of the good things we were seeing in game one. But then it was second chances, and they gave up, I don't know, three or four. It felt like second chance buckets um, in the first, like, half of the first quarter. Yep. And it just, I don't know, it just, it, you kind of wonder, like, you know, defensively, so much of defense is about guys being able to lock in and maintain just that, like, absolute highest level of effort and focus. And, you know, when you just give up cheap second chance points, it's tough, you know? Like, I think it does deflate a team, especially a team like that, to be honest, like, defensively is very fragile like the Bucks. I mean, this is not, like, a mentally tough defense or something like that. No. I mean, you know, they they fold pretty quickly. And, you know, game one was encouraging on that front. But I, I think, you know, you just sort of wonder if, if they get a couple more stops um, or if they force some turnovers, you know, maybe things kind of go a little bit differently. Maybe they come out of that first quarter with a lead instead um, you know, they they do some things right uh, defensively to start, and Giannis gets a quick start offensively, but it just seemed like kind of, I don't know, it just seemed like they, they kind of just lost lost it there. And, um, you know, with the course of the game, Boston, Boston hit, I mean, a ton of difficult shots too, which, you know, again, like Boston's not going to score a 129 just because, you know, you, you didn't execute de- defensively. I mean, they we've seen the Bucks. something right, yeah. Yeah, I mean, we've seen the Bucks give a lot worse efforts play a lot worse defense than they did tonight and um and have better ratings against teams that aren't as bad offensively as the yep. Celtics team but Boston executed well they did not make any mistakes and then they also just made some crazy shots I mean and but I think I, I think I mistakenly said Rozier was five out of 12 from three that was Brown I, I misread there Rozier was three out of five but um you know Marcus Morris another you know he, he was eight out of 20 last game so I mean he hit some big shots but he wasn't effective overall scoring yep. Tonight, six out of eleven, including three out of six from three, eighteen points. I mean, he made just some like shots where it's like, oh, great, the Bucks finally defend well, and you know they give up just off dribble threes, right? And it's just yep. kind of those backbreaking type threes that you know he had a couple, I think, in the fourth quarter. So, um, so yeah, I mean, just like defensively, it's just you know, kind of a worst of all worlds in a way. I mean, 
they didn't make a million threes, 13 out of 31, but that's a really good number. Yep. And not turning the ball over, getting offensive rebounds. Um, you know, I mean, there was just no, there was nothing that, that you know, the Bucks kind of like went in the Bucks' favor tonight. Yeah, I mean, I just think that that five number you mentioned just looms so large to me. Like five turnovers in any game it's going to be tough to beat the other team. Like if they're just missing shot, like that, that, that means they're just not giving you easy opportunities to go get some points. That means that they're, even if they're not executing at at a high level, they're at least giving themselves to, they're giving themselves a chance to set their defense. Like they're just giving themselves so many opportunities. And I guess to me, it just starts, it starts at the point guard position. Like the big thing in trading for Eric Bledsoe was what it was his defense on point guards right like it was the idea that the bucks would finally have someone who could fight over the top of screens they had someone that could really kind of be a game changer defensively and keep guys in front of them and zach Lowe mentioned it in his column today um but i i I don't know if someone's shooting at eric bledsoe but he is dying on screens just dying on them and it's largely something that i mean we haven't really seen him do like it, he's typically a guy that's able to get over the top of him, fight through him. He's as in his own words, he described himself as a, as a dog. Like he's able to get through all of that. And to me, that's always been something that even if I, I'm not in love with all the other things that Eric Bledsoe does, that that's always felt like something that he does really well. And this series, he has not been able to bother Terry Rogier in any way. Like he just hasn't. Like Rogier has been in total control. I know they. I think Sean Grande tweeted out uh, zero turnovers for Rogier thus far this series. And going into the series, I thought that's a spot where the Bucks would have an advantage, and that hasn't been the case. And then even on top of that, like Shane Larkin was coming in and cooking him, and Shane Larkin has had a better year, and he's improved, and he's been a feel good story, and. Eric Bledsoe was better than him, or at least I thought Eric Bledsoe was better than him. Uh, and they're just, to me, like, everything starts there. Uh, the Bucks just aren't able to stop initial actions. That that first that first swipe into the lane is coming from point guards, and largely this year it's been something that Eric Bledsoe is kind of able to control. Like, sure, the this league is loaded with great point guards, um, and there's always going to be guys that are able to get in the lane. I just don't know that I thought Terry Rozier and Shane Larkin were the great point guards that would be able to get into the lane on Eric Bledsoe. And it's just been, I mean, for me, startling. Like, I, I can't really explain it because we talked about before this series, and obviously I wrote about, and obviously I picked the Bucks in six, so I thought this was something that... I'm not going to say it was real, but certainly something that I thought with Eric Blood, so we weren't going to see. Like, I thought he'd play at a much higher level. And in game one, he had the worst game he's had as a buck. And I think um, you just look at kind of what he's done, and it's just been bad. Like, he's just been very bad. And tonight was more of a garden variety bad. Bledsoe night, where it was 12 points on 5 of 13 shooting, 7 rebounds, 4 assists, a steal, a block, a turnover. Um, but if the Bucks aren't getting anything from him, like it's just a killer uh, just because 
Brogdon isn't all the way healthy. You can't just rip Bledsoe out. The rotation, uh, we'll talk about that in a second, but you would think in a playoff rotation, you wouldn't really have room for uh, taking Eric Bledsoe. Like, he should be a guy that you should be able to plug and play and be ready to go, and just hasn't been the case. Yeah, I mean, somebody asked me why Brandon Jennings hasn't played at all and Bledsoe's still playing, and I'm just like, Brandon Jennings is not going to give you anything consistent i mean you cannot count on brandon jennings giving you anything against a good good nba defense um and you know bledsoe's had two substandard games one really bad one after you know two months of good play i I think i know which way i'd go i mean you know you can't be that emotional i know as fans um it's frustrating to watch but um but yeah i mean uh, the ironic part was bledsoe is actually you know I, i think actually a fair bit better tonight you know First first game he has six fouls and five turnovers. Um, tonight, two fouls, one turnover. Um, you know had four assists in both game, a block and a steal tonight. And you know did hit those two threes in the fourth quarter. And I mean, again, like you can only hope that maybe whatever thing is going on in his head that maybe he shakes that loose yeah. a little bit because he sees a couple of shots go in. Because before those two shots, I mean, he hadn't made a shot outside the paint. In, in either game. I don't think Giannis has hit has Giannis hit a shot actually. Yeah, today he did. Did he hit one jump? That shot? jumper that he had a pull up in the first half. Okay. So, you know, again, like Giannis at least can just destroy without shooting jump shots. <laughs> yeah. Eric Bledsoe, I mean, Eric Bledsoe is great at getting the rim. He's one of the, you know, best point guards in the league in terms of getting to the rack and, and finishing there. But again, I mean, you know, he can't be Rajon Rondo from a shooting standpoint, right? Yep. He's he's got to he's got to be able to do a lot more um, in terms of you know keeping teams honest with his jump shot and then you know defensively he's got to be locked in more than he has been. Although I mean he's always a guy who like you know let's just say charitably in the regular season picks his spots. Sure. Um, and you know it's just frustrating because you know he he should be obviously locked in. I don't think he's not trying, um, but it's just a struggle for him right now. Um, it, it things are just not working out. I mean the irony is the Bucks have been. The Bucks have outscored the Celtics with Eric Bledsoe on the court in these two games. He was plus seven in the first game. He was yep. minus three tonight. I mean, you know, that's the irony, is it? And, and I mean, we've seen this all season. When Eric Bledsoe is on the court, the Bucks are pretty good. And when Eric Bledsoe is on the bench, um, the Bucks are, are terrible. And you know, we can even when Bledsoe is playing like garbage, you know, and, and all of it's obviously quiet because he's you know playing with with some of the better players, but um, but I don't think it's a coincidence. I mean, Giannis is like minus thirty in these two games or something like yep. that. Um, so again, plus minus and these small samples are, you know, very, very noisy. Um, but you know, in terms of like, well, where have the bucks really been garbage? They've been even worse when he hasn't been playing and that's scary, right? Yeah. Because it seems like they've, you know, he's been bad. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so I mean, absolutely game, game three, Eric Bledsoe, what do you have? You know, um, you know, again, like, well, Terry Rozier was calling him Drew Bledsoe after the first game. I mean, <laughs> you know, like he's yeah. throwing shade at Bledsoe, and Bledsoe responded by getting worked by him again tonight. So, yep. um, you know, just sort of feels emblematic of kind of the never trust the Bucks sort of mentality. Like this team just, you know, you kick sand in their face and they just take it. You know, like, <laughs> Uh, I, I don't know. I mean, we'll see. Game Game Three, obviously, you hope will be a different story coming back home. But um, I, I think gonna... it's a, I think it's a very good test of psychologically, like, you know, what kind of team is this? You know, is this team, is this team? I don't know. I mean, I don't think they've been like not trying defensively or anything like that. But they're just so sloppy and they're just so undisciplined. And 
you know they're just they're just a, a, you know, less. They're so 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 much less than the sum of their parts right now. Yeah, and I was gonna say, even in game one, like I thought, I thought they did a pretty nice job for most of that game, like executing defensively and yeah. doing those type of things. And uh, they just kind. I think Brad Stevens made a couple of adjustments. I probably need to go back and watch the game film um, and just go back and see exactly uh, how coverages would have changed up. But uh, tonight that same execution and focus just, just wasn't there. And something you mentioned earlier, and um, I guess it was, it was part of the four turnovers that Malcolm Brogdon had. um, But you mentioned the fact that the Bucks have tried a bunch of passes in tight spaces, right? Like they're, they're trying to make a five foot pass uh, to someone that's somehow like, underneath a defender's arm or like a a small little bounce pass and i guess one thing that i've just kind of been thinking about uh this entire series and this was more of a big picture thing like i was talking about last night with uh good role players and stuff like that but i just look at that 17 number for the bucks 17 three-point attempts and i think about tony snell passing up multiple threes tonight i think of um just but but they weren't like it's not like tony snell was like getting wide open looks and not shooting it right i mean yeah, yeah but yeah i mean like there aren't like wide open shots i feel like the celtics are just sort of like playing the bucks fairly straight up and saying you know Giannis, if you can attack one-on-one like we'll let you do that but if you try to pass to somebody else we're <laughs> we're going to be guarding those guys which is kind of the opposite of what i expected to be honest yeah I, but i i just feel like there's no uh there's there's no way that the bucks create those looks like the, they're not going out of their way to create three point looks oh, like yeah, yeah. like it's always just they ran that one play for middleton tonight where he hit a what, three off, what was that frank play. i don't think I know, i've I ever seen it play. i don't think i've ever I seen it i joked about it it's like every game there maybe is like one play where it looks like the Bucks were trying to actually consciously get a three-point shot. And normally it's like just those like Tony Snell handoffs. Yeah. Um, but tonight they actually ran one for Middleton, which was which was nice. But yeah, I mean, it's just like, you know, 1998 basketball that the Bucks play. And, you know, it's like, and congratulations, like- you shot 60% because you guys shot a bunch of twos. But um you know, you, I, you lost, you got blown out. <laughs> I, I just feel like it just makes everything so tough. Like those passes that you were talking about, I get picked off. Like if they don't actually think guys are a threat from three and you're not actively trying to create looks on skip passes, on flares, on hammer sets, like if you're not trying to do those things, you're not forcing them to pull apart. You're just allowing them to get even closer to each other and sink even further in and just be in all the passing lanes that you somehow might try to use. Uh, and it, it was just funny thinking I tweet that play that I tweeted out after game one, there was a spot where, uh, Jason Tatum had to make a decision like, okay, do I help on John Henson here or do I go back out to Tony Snell? And he chose to go out on Tony Snell and they got John Henson uh, a wide open dunk. And I just remember thinking about that play and thinking, man, it's so rare that the Bucks put defenses in that precarious position. Like it's so rare for them to put them in a spot where they have to decide, okay, am I going to stop this dump down pass, this little pocket pass or Am I going to get out there and cover the three-point line? And the Bucks just like don't shoot enough of them. They don't actively look to create them. Uh, and I mean, to Brad Stevens' credit, like you mentioned, they seem totally content in just kind of playing one-on-one, packing it in, and 
as soon as you drive, like, okay, we'll run out and we'll cover the three-point line and that'll be that. And, uh, I mean, uh, again, kudos to them. They've figured it out. And uh, despite Giannis getting pretty much whatever he wants, the Bucks just aren't able to, to get a just get anything going really there's just, there's just no flow to what what they're doing even if they are scoring at a high rate tonight like they did uh with a 114 offensive rating yeah i mean i i generally uh again i, I really thought that they would be more collapsing i thought they would try to really you know they, it's weird i mean you said pack the paint I mean, like pack i mean they're really not pack i mean to when i think of like packing the paint i think of just like you know almost zoning up Giannis mm-hmm. and you know just sort of like you know, doing that and, and leaving guys open for threes. And, they're, you know, they are, they're not really having to do that. Um, and But in the same way, it, it kind of does pack things like if you do try to pass, right? Because there yeah. just aren't those little dump-offs. There's always hands because, again, like, you know, you try to be unselfish. Um, those little, like, pocket passes have seemed to be, like, per, you know, always picked off whenever, yeah. you know, Brogdon. <laughs> it's automatic turnover. To, yeah, automatic whenever turnover. you do, like, a high pick and roll and, and you've got a, a roller coming down the middle of the lane, like that always seems to be taken away. Um, you know, they've had more success maybe with maybe some of the side stuff, but, uh, but yeah, it's, um, it's been interesting to, to watch. I mean, again, tonight, I mean, the Bucks scored more than enough points to yep. win this game, even with, um, you know, the problems with the free throw line and all that. But um, again, you just, you know, you, it's just kind of like the mark of a good team, right? I mean, good teams, if they're, you know, having a hard time scoring, then, they're able to ratchet it up defensively yep. and you know, you do enough defensively bad team or, and, and if you know, you're, you're for whatever reason, the teams make the other teams scoring a lot or whatever it might be, then you can find that extra gear offensively bucks, you know, first two games, just the opposite, right? <laughs> they finally get a good defensive effort and their offense just, you know, falls even, you know, falls beneath that and can't score on uh, you know, obviously a good defensive team in the Celtics. Uh, in game two, they actually score a lot and, you know, they just give up just a million points. It was just funny as uh, I was kind of watching that second half, like I kept waiting for the run to occur because as we both know, basketball is a game of runs and runs happen and the Bucks were scoring. It was just I, more Celtics runs. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it, it absolutely was. But like the Bucks were scoring and I just kept thinking like, oh man, that's yeah. like three or four possessions in a row that they've scored. And somehow, well, I shouldn't say somehow. I know how the Celtics were shooting threes, and the Bucks weren't gaining anything. Um, even if even if they were getting two stops out of those four, while they scored four in a row, scored four in a row, the Bucks had scored eight points, um, while the Celtics had hit a couple threes and were just right there. Like it, it was just kind of an interesting game to watch. Okay, let's uh, let's talk about the bench. Um, Do we have to? Yeah, <laughs> Joe Prunty decides to go. Twelve deep tonight. Do we want to call it twelve deep or eleven deep officially? Because Sterling Brown kind of was a late ad. Um, Don Maker got to see the floor late as well. But um, I, I got to say, I was a little bit confused by going to Zeller so early. And uh, you had mentioned giving up some offensive rebounds early on, so I almost wonder if that was the reason why uh, Henson got pulled after five minutes. But it, it was just strange to me to see the Bucks rotation changed so much after a game one that I think plenty of people would say they should have won. That that was a game where whether or not you want to say they should have won, they had plenty of chances to win. And just to see them kind of change the rotations, it just didn't really make a ton of sense to me. Um, and then on top of that, 
last night, uh, or excuse me, so in game one, they ended that game with a lineup of Bledsoe, Brogdon, Snell, Middleton, Adetokounmpo. And I wrote about it today at ESPN Milwaukee for eight minutes. So when we were talking about how well they were scoring, during those eight minutes, the final three minutes of the fourth quarter and the five minutes in overtime, they ran the exact same set. Exact same set. Nothing changed. They put Giannis in the middle of the floor, and they put Middleton and Brogdon on the left side, and they put Snell and Bledsoe on the right side. Bledsoe would bring the ball up the floor. If Terry Rozier didn't pay attention to him, he would try to go for a blow-by. One time he got Chris Middleton for a corner three. The other time he got a layup. And if he if Rozier was paying attention, he would kick it back to Giannis, and then Giannis would operate in the middle of the floor, and then he would go to a handoff series with Bledsoe, or with Brogdon and Middleton on the left side, and the Bucks were scoring a lot. And the Bucks try all of these different things and all of these strange mutations of their rotation and don't go to that lineup once. Yeah, they didn't. They didn't use that lineup. The lineup that brought them back, the lineup that they had success with, the lineup that Giannis talked about this play pregame. He, or, excuse me, on Monday he talked about we had that play that we ran a lot. Uh, and someone asked, "Oh, what play was it?" And he's like, "Oh, I can't tell you that." It, but that was the play they ran it for eight straight minutes, and the Celtics couldn't really stop it. They were getting good shots all the time, and the Bucks go down, and for some reason, Malcolm Brogdon. Did, did he see the floor in the second half? Like, I know he had four turnovers in the first half. I'm well aware of that, but he doesn't get any minutes. You don't go to the one lineup that brought you back in that first game against the Celtics, but you still manage to play 11 players, and you're trying all these different things. Shabazz Muhammad's playing 12 minutes, and he was good. Like, he got 11 points in 12 minutes. Uh, but I, like, I just don't get it. Like, it... It was, uh, to me, that was a down 0-3 in a series. Like, well, nothing's worked thus far. Like, let's throw throw some shit against the wall and see what happens. And they almost won game one. Yeah, I mean, it's strange because, like, a bunch of guys played, but from the bench but i mean nobody played a lot right brogdon played 19 minutes he did play in the third quarter he came in midway through the third um and then i think uh i think they just went away from him in the fourth quarter after larkin hit that three to to end the third quarter um but yeah it was weird brogdon bad turnovers but five out of seven from the field uh three rebounds in 19 minutes um delavidova plays five minutes zeller plays six minutes yeah Terry plays five minutes. Um, Brown plays in that fourth quarter. He gets ends up getting nine minutes. Um, Jabari get- Parker, ten minute, ten anonymous minutes. Yeah, it was just very weird because like it was like it felt kind of like a regular season game in that like you know it was like oh well we need to give these guys a chance so you know we see Shabazz Muhammad and um, you know eventually we saw Sterling Brown which I thought was you know good because Brown kind of weirdly like wasn't playing at all despite. You know, Tony Snell and Bucks guards are like not really doing anything. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, you know, happy to see Sterling get some run, but obviously uh, didn't really make much difference at that point. But, um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, again, like I, I'm not going to act like at this point I I know what exactly they're they're thinking. And again, just sort of throwing stuff against the wall. And um, and yeah, I mean, we saw we did see some small lineups. Um, and oh, I think don't we, get me started. I mean. It, it, it was really smart what uh, what Brad Stevens did. So when the Bucks go small for for a period in that second half, he's just like, "Oh, you want to go small? 
I'm just going to go big as hell and yep. <laughs> throws out Greg Monroe, who ends up getting guarded by Chris Middleton, and Monroe gets a couple of easy buckets uh, early in the fourth quarter. And um, again, I mean, this is a problem for the Bucks is that like they they just don't offensively they're not really conditioned or I mean they didn't really have a line I think was Shabazz at the shooting guard at yes, that point yes like, yes he I mean, was again like you you're got not going to- small you're not creating a small ball lineup if Shabazz Muhammad is on the damn floor like, you're not doing that Shabazz did fine by Shabazz you know like he had 11 points on eight shots tonight I mean he was fine but Shabazz is a 6'6 guy who wants to play like Greg Monroe, basically, right? I mean, did you see the time when Giannis got into the lane, looked to the right corner, and Shabazz Muhammad was cutting on the baseline underneath the basket? Like, that's the antithesis of what you want on the floor for a small ball lineup. You want them to plant themselves in the corner and be ready to shoot threes. And Shabazz Muhammad is, again, that's fine. Like, he finds a way to be effective that way. But if you're trying to play a small ball lineup against someone that's going large against you, the only way to make them pay for it is to shoot threes. And Shabazz Muhammad wants nothing to do with that. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, so that didn't work. Um, but but yeah, it, it was very classic box to not play at all the lineup that seemed to work well for you in, in the first game. Um, uh, Jabari, you want to talk Jabari? Yeah, I was about to say I don't want to talk long about Jabari because he's just a depressing like concept at this point. Um, Here, here's what know. I'll say. People keep telling Bucks fans who are struggling with the way Jabari's playing and complaining about the effort that he gives and saying that we're not giving him a a fair shake whatever you want to say like if you want to i'll send you the lockdown box that i recorded when was that three weeks ago like i can send you that one so i can tell you that this isn't me being unfair about jabari parker in the playoffs this isn't me being unfair uh in this small sample size this is what he's looked like since he's come back from the injury and it confuses me i don't understand it 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 almost feels like he thinks he's an unrestricted free agent and he can play his way out of a town. Like, you know what? Screw you guys. I don't want to play for you anymore. So I'm not going to give any effort, but he's a restricted free agent. And I think the bucks would like to keep Jabari Parker and would like to have him on the team going forward. And I don't know. I just can't explain it at this point. It would say, and it's interesting. I mean, I'll, I'll say this too. Like the least of my concerns tonight was Jabari's, defense in the post on al horford uh and again like uh, this one thing that's important there are lots of things about what jabari's doing right now that are problematic and you know i think justify just not playing him right now um and as soon as like horford scored on him like once or twice in the post like everybody was like oh jabari's terrible in the post i mean look jabari i mean Giannis couldn't stop horford in the post last game either and i think he actually i think he uh uh Jabari actually did. I mean, Horford didn't get any like layups. He like had to actually shoot over him. I think he missed a uh, like an in between shot against him as well. Yep. So that was probably. Uh, let me just say that was the least of my concerns. Agreed. And again, I know like people want to read into every every time like Jabari doesn't play like great defense that like he's just you know the worst ever. But there were you know that was not my my concern. Those were perfectly like okay you know ways to play when you're yep. a, a much smaller guy. But. Um, but yeah, other than that, I mean, offensively, like no, no rhythm. Like you know, bricks that early long two um, had a contorting, contact avoiding shot on the baseline that also was a bad miss in the third quarter. And 
again, I just don't know. It, it's just kind of hard to tell what he's doing out there. And, um, you know, probably the, the body language moment of the game for Jabari was when Horford ends up picking up the ball, like, what, 70 feet from the basket, and Horford's, like, a foot ahead of him, and Jabari, like, just basically, like, Peels half off. jog. Yeah. Half jogs, like, no, no effort to, like, try to catch up to Al Horford or, you know, do something that, you know, is an effort play. I mean, just, you know, whatever. And, I and think, Jabari Parker is quicker than Al Horford. And, like, I like Al yeah. Horford a lot. Especially but, Al Horford with the ball, dribbling up the court. Yes. Um, and... And here's the thing too. I mean, like, I, I mean, unrestricted free agents. I mean, they have incentives to look good for other teams, right? Sure. I don't. I don't. I don't even know what. I don't know what kind of free agent benefits from just looking completely disengaged. But um, I don't know. He's gunning for that qualifying offer, I guess, right now because I don't know what else he's. I don't know what else is going on with him. And I, again, I don't know how much of it is really intentional versus him just being in like a really terrible headspace and not knowing how to get his way out of it. I think it's kind of a combination of things. Um, but I, I don't know. I mean, I, you know, sarcastically joked that the Bucks need to find, you know, Markel Fultz's doctor who diagnosed him with that fake shoulder injury and use that as an excuse to bench him for a while and let him figure out what the hell's going on. Um, yeah, I don't know what Jabari's going on. I mean, maybe he's going to make some shots at some point in this series. You'd hope so. Um, because I, I don't know. I mean, it's such a weird situation. I mean, if you just straight up... Ben- I mean, at this point, like, I am I will happily say that, like, your best chance of winning this series is by just benching Jabari Parker and not playing him at all. I mean, I like, you know, even when Jabari is scoring, he usually, like, is a net negative. So when he's this like i mean how can we justify you know saying that he's actually helping right like i don't think there should be any question that he's probably not going to help even if he does get his shot going a little bit um but man it's it's a mess right now with him i don't i don't know what you do i mean you're trying to you know you, the odds are stacked against you right now in the series down oh two and you know one of your guys who you're, you're expecting to play every night and contribute looks like totally spooked and mentally out of it and um i don't know i, I don't think I, I do not envy joe prunty in this regard you know in, in that light either having to figure out what to do with jabari parker yeah i don't know if there's any saving jabari right like uh, not not this, and then that's the thing too like i mean i'm, I'm not going to say that like oh jabari's career is over and like, yeah no, no, he can no, never no, be no. good but like right now this series like i don't i don't see it like i don't know how you like i don't know how you get the minutes necessary i don't know how you get the opportunities necessary like I just don't know how you you try to get him back because it's not like it's not like Bledsoe in that Bledsoe was playing well post All Star break and then all of a sudden now he's not like there was some of these warning signs and red flags with Jabari already after the All Star break and yeah, now we have, we have years of Jabari, of Bledsoe being a good positive correct. NBA player and we've got you know the last two and a half months of the season where he was. Very good. Arguably, arguably the Bucks' second best player. Arguably, yeah. um, and he obviously has not been that. But you know, there's no, there's no comparison between the length of leash that Bledsoe should get versus the length of leash that that Jabari should get for right. sure. Oh, okay, from the locker room from our good friend Matt Velasquez. Uh-oh. Um, I'm going to give you a warning right here, everyone. I'm about to curse. Um, is this an ankle injury for Giannis, or is this a Jabari thing? What oh, is it? it's even better. Um, I'm about to curse everyone, so just be prepared for that. Matt Velasquez from the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel in the Bucks locker room. I asked Eric Bledsoe about Terry Rozier's strong start to the series, and if he takes and if he takes that matchup personally, he responded, "Who?" I said, "Terry Rozier." Bledsoe, I don't even know who the fuck that is. 
You don't know who that is? So, so it, that's why he doesn't have any turnovers and has scored like 53 points in these two games. Our point guard doesn't even know what's going on. Of course, that, that's what's going on. That, that makes way more sense. That's why he lost him at the three-point line and why he doesn't really seem to be able to find him anywhere on the floor. So, um, yeah, that's that's really great to to hear about Eric Bledsoe's uh, headspace right now. Um, so that's great. Um you know what? That might be an appropriate place to end this podcast. <laughs> I gotta—I don't know if I have anything else to talk about. Shabazz Muhammad, like I said, 11 points in 12 minutes. Um, thought he was largely a very Shabazz version of himself. Like, he was himself. Um, Brogdon, wish he would have played a little bit more. Um, like I said, I wish I would have seen that lineup that actually uh, really helped at the end of game one. Um, but other than that, uh, I think I'm good. Anything else you wanted to add, or should we wrap this baby up? Let's just wrap it up. I, I mean, it's just it's just hitting me that we're gonna have to talk about this game tomorrow as well, which is just like I can't think of anything worse than than having to talk about what we've seen from the Bucks two straight days. But um, uh, if you guys have some draft prospects you want us to talk about, uh, no. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> if you have draft prospects you want us to not have any insight into, uh, we can do that. We, should we do a mailbag tomorrow? Should we call it mailbag Whew. tweet at at Locked On Bucks? We can we can talk about you know all these things that frustrate us and anyway, maybe maybe well we can at least choose what stuff we we talk about <laughs> but, I'm, I'm almost trying to decide like if people should like i don't even know i was thinking like film their own uh twitter videos that we can play on the podcast but then that's too much work for me i'm not into that um but yeah, sure. If you have questions, let us know, and maybe we can answer some of them and attempt to figure out uh, what's going on with the Milwaukee Bucks. Not that we'll know, but we'll try. All right, Bucks lose game two. They are now down two zero in the game, the best of seven series. After two games, they are down two zero. Bucks lose one twenty one zero six to the Boston Celtics. Good nights for Giannis Adetokounmpo and Chris Middleton. 30 points, 9 rebounds, 8 assists for Giannis. 25 points, 4 rebounds, and an assist for Chris Middleton. Everything else was terrible. Um, Bucks lose 120-106. We will talk to you tomorrow. For Frank Madden, I'm Eric Name. This has been Lockdown Bucks. See you then.